0: What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Star Jobbers Podcast. I'm Cody, and I am the janitor for the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> oh gosh, I- I'm sure the shockmaster
1: like, lo- let something shocking go in the bathroom yesterday, <laughs> and the giant took a giant.
0: Oh my! Gosh. I don't, I don't know what-, what to think about all these taglines that you do and i'm sure all of our listeners had their own opinions of it i don't know if they share anything in the comments or whatever but i don't know we'll just we'll just have to check it
1: for ourselves some things we do for ourselves good friend
0: yeah that's true that's true <laughs> but thank you guys for listening to our podcast we are at over 400 downloads now so i want to thank all of our listeners right now for just tuning in and just supporting us from here in the states and all over the world like i said in the last episode we're worldwide now john we got listeners from all over, so we hope that it continues Say it to grow. Again. What's that? Say it again. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We're worldwide. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I, I have to do that now. Uh, but, yeah, we're all over the world right now. We're... yeah. Sorry. I keep forgetting. Worldwide. But <laughs> we're at over 400 downloads now. Let's hope we can get to 500 soon, guys. I mean, we're only 13 episodes in right now, but we can get there. But thank can you guys for to listening to us. I'll
1: shave Cody's chest.
0: I wouldn't go that far we will we'll, we'll we'll postpone that
1: it's already it's already there I can't take it back
0: no we, we can take it back I I have the power of editing here we'll talk about it later yeah anyway but we're on social media guys if you ever want to check us out we're on Facebook and Instagram at five star jobbers go and check us out comment comment on everything that we're doing if you have segment ideas let us know but today we have something very special for you guys we have another guest on the show. So without further ado, I want to issue you guys to Robert Altman, aka Derek Draymond. Robert, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me, guys. So to kind of give everybody an idea of who you are and just kind of let everybody know what you've done in the business. So tell everybody how you got started in wrestling. Like what was it that just got you into professional <laughs> wrestling?
2: Well, and love for the art and the sport of professional wrestling ever since I was a kid, um, watching Hulk Hogan slam Andre, the giant, you know, that, that was the, I guess, pivotal moment for me that I fell in love with the, with the art form itself. Um, how I broke into professional wrestling was an interesting, uh, conundrum, um, I was working as a paramedic for an ambulance service. And a friend of mine that worked at the ambulance service, too, um, was on the indie scene and was training folks to uh, be in ring talent, whether it was ring announcing, in ring act, whatever. That's kind of what got me into the business. Well, <clears throat> Long story short, he becomes a SmackDown referee. And he was actually training at uh, Deep South before Deep South became uh, FCW that is now NXT. Right. Um, So I was training uh, to do shows in very interesting um, locales, uh, mostly a really low-ceilinged gay bar in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Uh, Which was interesting uh, To (laughs) say the least I can imagine Um, And then I did a lot of work With the American Wrestling Federation Which was owned By Karen McDaniels The wife of Wahoo McDaniels Okay Uh, So I actually worked uh, A lot there And uh, that's where I kind of Broke into the ring announcing uh, Character role and uh got a small shtick with bellator uh for a little while as a ring announcer um so that's kind of the the brief overview of of how i got into it
0: i got you now i know that john has kind of told me a little bit more about like what you've done in the business because you primarily worked i'd say as a manager or correct me if i'm wrong
2: so i was a uh a general manager um i was the commissioner for the awf um started out as as a uh, face character um basically setting up matches doing all kinds of things interrupting and then um the actual booker and promoter came to me and said hey we got an idea we want to turn you heel we need you to do something and i was like sure what shave your head i was like all right shaved my head i was like what else eyeliner really <laughs> so <clears throat> i slowly evolved from the suit and tie into this gothic looking thing think slipknot and vin diesel mix is kind of what they had me as um but uh it, it was an interesting run to say the least Okay,
0: so for a lot of our listeners, because a lot of people that are listening to our podcast, maybe this is their first time getting into professional wrestling or don't really know the ins and outs of the business. So, kind of tell our listeners what the role of a like general manager or a manager does, like uh, like inside the ring and outside the ring.
2: I'll start with outside. Um, outside, we do nothing. Um, <laughs> to be honest. Um, we are given <clears throat> our marching orders by the booker and he tells us hey he or she sorry um, tells us this is the outcome make it happen so we get together with the talent the in-ring uh, talent and we come up with the the storyline on the fly um a lot of times it, it's stuff that we've kind of slow burn into Um, I I, I likened uh, my final run a lot to like the bloodline storyline how it took years to progress now in, in an indie scene that doesn't have television that's not years that's maybe a few months down the road because people have short memories and they don't remember So we kind of rehash a little bit um, and do that. Um, The good part when I was the good character or the face character was the fact that I actually worked hand in hand with the booker trying to make the matches, uh, giving them ideas and stuff. When they turned me heel, I was strictly in-ring talent at that point.
0: And kind of talking about whenever you were handed something to do, like, say it was on the fly or you had to try and create something to make it yourself or try to make a match happen. Was a lot of it on the fly or was some of it also just like pre-planned out, like maybe a few days in advance or was it mostly just (coughs) given to you on the spot?
2: It was literally on the spot um, because I was living in South Mississippi at the time and our shows were in the Panama city Chipley area. So I would drive six hours to come to this show, um, for, a a, a a waffle house steak dinner in about 50 bucks. And only because I love the business <clears throat> did, did I, did I do this, but we would get handed. Here's your outcome. And we would get together real quick. Okay. How's this going to play out? This person's going to run in. <clears throat> Am I hitting them? Are they hitting me? Am I yelling at them? Am I firing them? What am I doing? Um, And so we literally come up and like, we'll jot down the the good thing about being kind of a ring announcer too, is I would have a a nice little note card of kind of things that we want to say just, and, and I would just do it bullet point word here. And that would be my script um, that we would run by. And uh, to the, men and women that helped put this together. Um, they were, even though indie scene in a, you know, National Guard armory, they were still top-notch professional. You know, they would throw their inputs. I think this would look better, That you know, and we would just pull it together and have an amazing show.
0: That's just crazy to me. Just that, Just Sorry. to be randomly handed something on the fly and then just told, this is what we need go I yeah. think that's but, kind of
1: where you get you where you cut your teeth though and become a professional is by making you know chicken salad out of chicken you know what exactly uh, but uh hey let me let me go back to the previous question your answer because it's really intriguing to me um you, when you were a when you were a faith manager you were doing you were doing more of the backstage stuff when they moved you to heel, that went away why was that or or what's the reasoning there?
2: They wanted really to focus on my in-ring character development. Um, So they basically said that the booker and the owner, which was Karen McDaniel, wanted to make all the, the decisions backstage and allow me to play more of my character and not have to worry about, you know, am I helping to make matches or anything like that? um they just wanted me strictly you know they wanted the act they wanted Derek Draymond from Bell to Bell
1: okay gotcha so maybe taking
2: taking any kind of booking responsibilities
1: away from you would allow you to you know say and do things out there with characters and you know also get a push without getting heat with the boys backstage you know because there's always that common adage that you know if you've got the book and you're putting yourself over <laughs> exactly
2: exactly And, you know, that was the one of the main things that I did as a, uh, you know, heel commissioner is I ran with the tag team champions. Um, They were in my back pocket, so to speak. Um, So they were over. So I couldn't book and put them over and me over. So I, I was. Very okay with letting what needed to happen happen.
0: <clears throat> and kind of talking, because you were talking about Deep South earlier, and now FCW, or then went to FCW and then went to NXT. Who are some of the people that you saw come through there? Because I know you've probably had to see some people that are famous now in the business now. Who were some of the faces that you saw that a lot of people would just be like, I cannot believe? that you got to share like, a ring with this person or you got to be backstage with this person? Like, who are some of those like well-known individuals that you'd like to share some stories about or just something interesting that our listeners can uh, check in with?
2: Okay. Um, Kofi Kingston. Um, nice guy. I, I met him. Um, I had an audition to become a ring announcer for WWE um, many moons ago and uh, was beaten out by a very well-known female ring announcer um, for attributes that I did not have um, that Vince liked. Um, I'll I'll leave it at that. Is this ring
1: announcer married to a professional wrestler?
2: No. Okay. Um, But she did sing the national anthem a few times at a couple of WrestleManias. Oh,
0: okay. Okay, yeah, I got you. So, um.
2: Yeah, and I, I met somebody that is related to my all-time favorite professional wrestler. Um, she is n- none other than Natalia Neidhart. Um, she was coming through at the same time, and I was like a, a kid in a candy store, listening to her tell stories of her dad and her uncle Brett, and. I, I was enamored. Cause I'm like, mm, Brad Hart's my favorite. You know, Cause this was <laughs> back in the day. And I'm like, mm, I'm going to mark out. I need to stop. Um, and it, there were others that were there that, I mean, just absolutely, you know, kind of blew my mind. Uh, Zach Ryder, um, or Matt Cardona. Now, um, Brian, uh, Myers. Yeah. Um, they were, uh, Build as the uh, something twins. um I can't oh, remember. Yeah, the,
0: that. They were like Edge's twins or something like that. Yes, at the time. They,
2: yeah. they they ended up in WWE as the Edgeheads.
0: That's right. Yeah, uh, Edgeheads. That's, I couldn't remember the name.
2: And it it was the most insane dinner setting I think I've ever had because it was all of them, and I'm like. I watch them on TV and I'm like, wow, I had dinner with these guys. This this (laughs) is pretty cool. Um, But then like legends, like Dr. Tom Pritchard.
0: Oh, wow. um,
2: Terry Taylor. um, And Dr. Tom Pritchard's like, man, you've got a great voice for announcing. I love your shtick, kid. You sounded great. However, Vince is looking at something else and I'm like, I can kind of guess on what because she's gorgeous. So um, th- that was. That I've was heard my... you sing. You're terrible. Well, I don't sing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I would not do the national anthem because they would beg and they would pay me to shut up, is what they would do. <laughs> so, um, but no, that, that was one of the absolute coolest environments. Uh, that I, I got to sit under the learning tree of, of somebody like Dr. Tom Pritchard and, and Terry Taylor and learn from Natalia Neidhart, even though she was just breaking into the business at that point. Um, it was it was still just so cool when I'm like, that's Bret Hart's niece. I am sitting here with royalty. You know, it was awesome. And, and I did my best not to mark out, but I, I'm pretty sure my my marking was showing.
0: Oh, yeah, as would any of ours, for sure, yeah. in that situation. So talking about uh, people that you've come across in FCW or Deep South, are there some funny stories that you can share? Like maybe yes. just some funny interactions or just backstage stuff or whatever it is?
2: When, when I was the heel commissioner of the AWF. We had a contract for an individual, uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Uh, he was doing... Buff Daddy. Buff right. Daddy, yep. And uh, I was billed as the skinny Gothic Jew Um guyliner wearing blah 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 well at that time i was also transitioning from the face to the heel role so i still had booking and managerial duties backstage well i'm i'm walking by and i get hey skinny come over here i'm like me he's like yeah go get me a diet coke I was like, mm, mm, not so much. I'm kind of your boss today. So, no. And he's like, what? I, you don't do this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk out. And I'm like, bro, uh, on, on behalf of Karen McDaniel, I'm going to tell you this. You walk out on me right now, I'm going to sue you for everything you're not worth. <laughs> and he's like, what? And I said, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh," and and he was—he uh, just had this bewildered look on his face. So I sent one of our ring guys to go get him a diet coke. <laughs> oh and, my I gosh! Mean, he, he, he was dead, and
0: that—that
2: that was during a really bad time for him. Um, and and I kind of understood why he was acting the way he was acting. Um, uh, it was you know well past the uh the wwe after they bought wcw thing and th- they no longer utilized him um so i mean he'd been doing that for most of his life and then you know all, all that happened and i i kind of understood that's why i made sure I, to let him know i was i was just kidding
1: <laughs> right well it does sort of make the whole uh x crapping in his top hat story a little bit more plausible
2: <laughs> yeah yeah most definitely <laughs> You know what's
1: weird is that there's like a lot of X-Pac crapping and stuff stories. It's like you get to the point where like, okay, so he was just like a one-trick pony with all the pranks, you know, crapping in a sub, crapping in a hat, crapping in boots. Like that guy
2: must have had like some IBS problems or something. I I was
0: just about to make the same joke.
2: Well, I mean, you know, everything gets messed up.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, it kind of goes into the same. It kind of goes into a segue in what I was going to ask next. You know, with all these people that you see backstage or all these people that you run into in the business, have there been any interactions where you didn't care so much for the individual that you were working with or someone in particular that was just kind of rubbing people the wrong way or just any kind of – it doesn't have to be anybody well-known because I'm sure you probably don't want to name-drop anybody or give any – Oh, no,
2: no. We we had an individual – in the AWF, he was, he played a very interesting inmate-esque type character and he, he kept kayfabe almost as good as The Undertaker Um where it was the minute he arrived at whatever venue we were at, he was in character. Um And, and that the way he treated the the guys and the girls backstage was, to me, it was it was kind of rough around the edges, um, and it, it rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. But I mean, that's why the promoter said, "Stay away from him." <laughs> that <laughs> right. he, that's just what he does, and and he's an interesting draw. And you know, you'll get your time to do whatever you need to do to tick him off just not today. And right. I'm
0: like, yeah, yeah. I, I can uh, handle that. It's like your time will come just for now. Just kind of ease off a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. well, I don't know if uh, John, did you have any more questions or anything that you were interested in? Cause I was actually going to go into doing some reviews here in just a little bit. Cause I know that you told me that uh, Robert's a big new Japan fan. Yeah,
1: we'll, we'll get to that. You know what we got to ask him the questions we ask all of our guests. All right, so uh, we got you got to give us give us your Mount Rushmore.
0: Oh uh, yeah, I was disp- yeah.
2: I, I I'm gonna have to pull out my phone and and and, and what I sent you uh, <laughs> because I I I a lot of times I, it kind of varies from time to time. Let me uh, see. I, I, I I'm I'm scrolling all the way back. My uh, I guess my Mount Rushmore. I'm gonna start uh, number five. Prince Devitt, Finn Balor. Um, I have been a Finn Balor mark for as long as I can remember. Uh, New Japan, Prince Devitt, uh, when he originally debuted in NXT, they announced him as Prince Devitt on his first, and then they changed his name to Finn Balor. Um, (laughs) Funny story about him. I actually uh, ran into him in the bathroom. At an NXT show, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's Finn Balor. Can't mark out. Got to (laughs) leave." Because I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm not marking out here." Um, (laughs) Number four, uh, Mean Mark Calloway, uh, the Undertaker himself. Um, Excellent choice. Nobody in history has ever had, in my opinion, a run like the Undertaker has has been as almost on the on the same level as Hulk Hogan for notoriety. everybody knows you know who uh, um, the undertaker is even if you're not a wrestling fan you know and and that to me was one of the you know big draws for me when it when it came to him. I mean he was just so cool he was larger than life you know you're like, oh my god, it's the dead man oh. You know, and I I remember his debut. I remember his his retirement match, the match with AJ Styles, you know, the match with Shawn Michaels. I'm like this man went and went and went. And knowing how broken his body was, you know, he was absolutely, you know, he was the phenom, you know, Um, and that's why he he earned the, the spot that he got. Uh, on my Mount Rushmore, uh, number three, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Woo! Uh, absolutely, <laughs> jet flying, limousine riding, wheeling, dealing, kiss dealing, son of a gun.
0: That's right. You
2: know, it, it, Ric Flair. I mean, he he defined the the territory wars, in my opinion. Um, he no he question. Was, he was just the man. Uh, no offense, Becky Lynch, but he was, is, and always will be the man.
0: Exactly. Um,
2: and getting to rub elbows accidentally with him once was interesting. Um, I won't go into stories because that one is not his finest moment, but. Did you ride Space Mountain? (laughs) I did not. No, no. No Space Mountain for me. No fast pass for that. Nope. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. That's not how it, okay, gotcha. <laughs> um number two uh in in this illustrious list of, of individuals, Brett the Hitman Hart. Um I have been a Brett Hart fan since the Hart Foundation, since before he put all the hearts and the skulls and everything on his his ring gear. I loved how he worked. His work ethic in the ring was bar none the best. Whoever he worked with, he elevated. And that to me is the epitome of a class act. Regardless of what happened with the screw job, regardless of how he felt about people in the WWE, when he got in the ring with somebody, that match was amazing every time I 100% disappointed um i think the only disappointment was the the screw job and i'm like mm, brett should have won that but you know i was a kid and, yeah. You know, i'm sitting here watching that going oh my god what yeah happened?
0: me and jo- yeah me and john have conflicting views on that but we'll get into that another time i have
1: <laughs> the right one i have the right one you have the slightly less correct one yes
2: well you know it it is what he- it is it, it's it's part of wrestling history and if if that event did not occur we wouldn't have of what we have today you know it, we wouldn't have had the the wcw angles that we really had versus you know wwe and then wcw getting bought i mean it was a it was a catalyst to bigger and better things in my opinion
1: um, I, st- I still stand and say without the screw job you really would never have had uh vince go full attitude era uh, he was, still, he was, he was still holding back before the screw job. And then after the screw job, you know, it was like, well, we've already ripped everything off the, we've, you know, the cat's out of the bag. So, um, <laughs> we're not keeping kayfabe here. So we need to be more entertaining. We got to change what we do. And, uh, you guys have both heard, I'm not going to go into my, uh, UFO sighting, <laughs> uh, conspiracy theories but I still there's a part of me that attests that it's the greatest work of all time
2: well in it could very well be um but it was so believable at that time that people were like what just happened here and I just that if it was a if it was a work it was the best storytelling of its time
0: yeah but see if it was a work it just seems like it would be too good to be true in my opinion.
2: And, and if it wasn't a work,
1: too. how does wrestling with shadows exist? That's <laughs> like that. Like my, my entire argument Rex, is on the crux of that documentary. I remember watching it for the first time and just thinking like, even as a younger person, how did they get this much detail during this time about what would eventually be one of the most infamous scenes situations events in the modern wrestling era like it just it's too much of a coincidence (laughs) you're right
2: and and, but like i said if it was a work it was the best piece of storytelling that they ever did at that point in 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 history of of wrestling
1: for sure i Uh, think
2: i think if we hadn't had i
1: think it would have been a really different world had sean not hit the casket the wrong way during a casket match with The Undertaker and had Brett not wrestle Goldberg.
2: Yeah, (laughs) because we probably still have something to do with Brett Hart. Right. Unfortunately. But uh, moving right along to my number one, Um, he's loud, he's proud, he's boisterous. And you can snap into the Slim gym with Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, every iteration of the Macho Man, you can dig it. Um, Because, I mean, he was... Cup of coffee in the big time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Freaking out, man. Freaking (laughs) out. (laughs) The
0: the cream of the crop.
2: Always rises to the top. Yeah, monkey like a
0: monkey. Oh yeah, <laughs> that should but be another I mean, segment everybody... that we do. Just like we just do impressions of wrestlers <laughs> at some point.
1: <laughs> like if anybody asks, like who was better, Hulk Hogan or 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 Rock? You know, Macho Man. Just right then and there. Like when somebody says Hulk Hogan, like what do you do? And people are like, brother. But when Randy, when someone says Macho, everyone can do. Oh yeah, snap into a slim jim. You know, all the different. Like Randy was so far superior on the mic to Hulk. Oh, and, and in the I, ring obviously.
2: I I watched a documentary about him not too long ago. It was it was on YouTube and the best thing ever was when his brother uh Lenny Pofa was talking about the macho man voice. And he said he he couldn't figure out where he came up with it at one point in time it was on and off and then later he progressed and it never turned off and it was always the macho man's voice right and uh you know one of the things uh, that i marked out in theaters over was when uh macho man was in spider man boom saw so he's ready <laughs> i was like yes and i'm like that's macho man <laughs> yeah and i mean he he transcended everything he he was the first one to to, to in my opinion to really make funky looking pastels and cowboy hats cool um and he he just had that shtick, you know, when he became the macho king with with uh, Queen Sherry, and you know, and then reconciled with Liz, and then didn't reconcile with Liz, and and all of that when he when he went to uh, to WCW and became part of the NWO. I mean, he still he still transcended everything, and, and that's why I think. For me, number one was him because he, like I said, he made so many things just outright cool.
0: I agree, one hundred percent.
1: That's a, that's a solid list. I uh, I don't knock
0: it for sure. Oh, thank been, you. <laughs> well, now that we've gotten the Mount Rushmores out the way, I think it's time to get into some reviews, John. What do you think? I mean, what else is there? It's true. Well, talking about reviews. We watched Forbidden Door last night, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably watched it as well. Hopefully they did. If not, you missed out on some pretty good matches, I'll say. But definitely, kind of them- definitely I just gonna go with this one. Very
1: good matches. Uh, but I just want to like yeah, go ahead and make my statement on this one. Uh it was very clear that this was a very new Japan produced. Yeah. Uh this was this was not. Japanese wrestlers wrestling in 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 the American style. This was this was very much a New Japan product. It, it, that's at least how it seemed to me.
0: Right. Well, I mean, the thing that I just didn't like about the whole event was just that nothing was really promoted as much as maybe just one or two matches from this thing. Like the only ones well, that they really hyped up. Yeah. Like the only thing they really. had, nothing, yeah. like, had
1: that really... American style of of booking. You know, like we saw. On on Collision and on Dynamite, we would see the interactions between the wrestlers with layers, and there were things that added heat to the match and, and, and got us bought in. But then come time for the match, it was very straightforward. You know, ring the bell, wrestle, one, two, three, ring the bell over, like, you
0: but know, There was we- no climax. There was no, like, build, and then, like, it, it was not a roller coaster. It was just flatlined to me for a lot of it.
1: No climax. That's 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 a good that's a good uh, good statement and also a great metaphor for Derek Draymond's, uh bedroom.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh man! Guns but my
2: do janitor.
0: But my overall view of the pay per view, I gave it just a, a solid three, just because there was nothing. There was, I would say, there was only one match that really excited me or that really had me on like a roller coaster of emotions, and I'm sure most other people would say the same was just the Omega and Osprey match for the yeah US Heavyweight Championship. That one I would yeah. say had great storyline all throughout because of course you got the interference with Don Callis and then you've got the whole storyline of just Osprey's revenge on Omega for what he did at Wrestle Kingdom. But this one to me was the only match that I thought was the best out of all of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I gave the, I gave the overall pay-per-view a 3.5 just because I mean, the work rate was fantastic. Um, now, like I said, the, the entertainment value of the event was definitely lacking. Um, like I said, it was just, they, they, they booked matches. Those matches had wrestlers wrestlers did great work, but I think, uh, if I could, if there could not be, there could not be a better case made for ring psychology and characterization than if you watch Forbidden Door, uh, and I'll be the first to admit it. I fell asleep through some matches.
0: Oh, I know. We heard your snoring.
1: Yeah, it's hard to miss. But like, <laughs> like it, it, I, I, these guys are working hard, and so I feel I feel bad about it. But at the end of the day, no, like, I couldn't. There was nothing that made that made me bite.
0: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, I just, it was all, it was all flatlined.
1: Yeah, um, and that's that's just that. I mean, that's really disappointing. I mean, at the end of the day. This should have been, this should have been, you know, pay-per-view live event of the year. These should have been, there should have been multiple five-star matches here that this, this, you know, this could have been just, I mean, this, this could have been so much more than it was. Right. Uh, it almost is like, it's almost as if like, okay, it's like we we paid them, they've done their job and then they're ready to, to get out. There's, there's no need to do anything more here. <laughs> right. Um, the, the Kenny and Will Osprey matches was, was fantastic, but, um, I mean, Kenny and Will have had many fantastic matches. So I mean, this is just another fantastic match they've had. There, there's good storytelling because there is a story already behind this one. So I guess is that's another reason that that match was, you know, stand out stood out more than you know, say the Danielson Okada match.
0: Yeah. See, and that's uh, another one I was looking forward to because I mean, I've I I haven't seen a whole lot bro. from Okada. Just because I haven't really seen a whole lot of New Japan other than watching Forbidden Door or seeing YouTube clips here and there. But they hyped this up so much to where you have two of the best wrestlers in the world. You got Kazuchika Okada and Brian Danielson. Well, the news has I come
1: out that f- Danielson did, he did injure his arm uh, yeah. in that match. So I think that match is probably different than it would have been had he, you know, stayed healthy. Um, you know so i mean th- well, we, we I both mean, at the that, the end of that match both of you and i looked at it we were like really that that's how it ends
0: right well i mean I even then go- we've seen danielson wrestle with worse before so i mean they had the potential to still do i mean i know he probably couldn't do the little bell lock because given the pain that was going on through his arm right then and there but he still could have delivered a like great knee strike like he did before with with the psycho knee and then pull off a huge upset win for a lot of people, thinking that Okada was going to pull out a win. Like honestly, I thought Okada was going to maintain like his status in New Japan and across the globe as one of the best wrestlers in the world. But I don't. Know, it just felt like the ending was just blah to me.
1: I mean, it didn't end. It, it like I said, it 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 fizzled at the end. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it was a. The pay per view, really. I mean, there was there was a lot of amazing spots. There was a lot of amazing, re- you know, great wrestling was done. But uh, oh yeah, you know, you know, we've been talking about it more and more on the on the show. And uh, you know, we've talked. You know, I, I was talking to Galen about it the other day, and, and he made a really good point. So I'll, I'll give him credit for this one. But uh, name you know, name a match, and, and Rob, I want you to answer this question too because I know you like Kenny. Name a match where Kenny Omega made somebody that already didn't have a five star match look good.
0: Oh wow. Um mm. yeah, I, I couldn't think of this one either. Yeah, I mean
2: Kenny is has has worked with amazing talent and you know But anytime he works with
1: people who are new, he doesn't really elevate them.
2: No, he 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 doesn't. And and you're absolutely right. The the biggest thing is it, as long as he's got somebody that's got you know the 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 go and the wherewithal of, of a preseason veteran, you're gonna always get a five, six star match out of Kenny Omega. Yeah. Um he he has always delivered that, but if you know, again, like you said, if if he jumps in with somebody green, you're not going to see that elevation. You're just going to see get, Kenny get put over. Yep.
0: And so, so what, I mean, what would be, what would be your overall take of the event? I know you probably watched the event last night. What what, what would you say as your take on the whole thing?
2: I, well, I I agree with you on on the flat feeling. Um, that's the one thing that New Japan, unfortunately is known for and that's their lack of storytelling. Um, the the Japanese wrestling culture is totally different than anything, you know, you will you'll see Spot Fest and, and that's that's what you get. You get the 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 crazy you know Michinoku drivers and, and the, the kinshasa and all of these these amazingly cool acrobatic moves but that's it. There's no long ball played with new Japan except to John's point, Kenny and will that has been the longest rivalry that I have seen from new Japan to anywhere else. Um, Maybe second to seeing Jay white, you know, show up and, and, and do something, but, it 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 did feel old almost um kind of played out uh, well it's like it, it would have been i think it would
1: have been great if this was done at wrestle kingdom you know like or exactly. if this was if this was done in in that market it would have been you know gangbusters but in america we we expect the american style of wrestling you know it's like if they would have held this down in mexico once again the spot fest would have been great but you know even in lucha libre storytelling is very important uh yes. you know like over here in the americas we, we we need a story we need we need something to sink our teeth into otherwise yeah it's just spot after spot after spot
0: which in a lot of times in japanese style wrestling they look at it as an actual like combat sport but like there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of story yeah. that goes into it. It's pretty much just hard hitting strikes from both ends. And so, but even look all, at
1: UFC. When was you we I think we can all agree that UFC is not as hot as it used to be, right?
0: Oh yeah, cuz I mean, it's like with before. Why is you it not as hot,
1: as hot as it used to be?
0: Cuz you don't have your guys like Conor McGregor who have like charisma that help build fights going into it or guys like uh
1: yeah.
0: You got to uh, sell the fight.
1: You got to yeah. sell the fight. I mean, Tito Ortiz yeah, uh, Brock. Le- when Brock Lesnar was there,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Brock, Brock <laughs> knew how to sell the fight, and he know how and he knew how to give an aftermatch promo that would light the entire arena on fire. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, but you know, Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz. I mean, I'm um, obviously there's a lot. You know, Forrest Griffin, BJ Penn, all these guys. They could sell the fight. and you know when you had a when you had a weigh-in and these two guys stood next to each other i mean look ronda rousey i mean ronda's you know been dog crap on the mic in in wwe but you know ronda she knew how to get under those girls skin and she knew how to sell a fight with the look with just one look you know that's what made her the baddest woman in the planet and you know that, that's what got her you know her over i'd say you know wwe has only ever put her under um but you got to have character you've got to have personality w- without it you, who cares
0: yeah like if you don't have the charisma to back up what you're doing who's going to invest in what you're doing
2: well you know and and the height of njpw um when you go back and look njpw is known for one major thing, the Bullet Club. You know, you, you go back: Finn Balor, Doc Gallows, Machine Gun Carl Anderson, Bad Luck falle AJ you
0: know, Styles, uh,
2: The Thrillers of Destiny, AJ Styles, Jay White, Finn Balor. Uh, mm-hmm. not Finn Balor. Sorry, my brain just went to sleep. Um, Adam Cole, um, and you know Kenny Omega, a- and the Bucks. The Bucks. Yeah, You know, all all of that was just a a major factor of what made New Japan cool because those guys knew how to tell a story. Why? Because they were Western wrestlers in the Eastern block, I guess. And they brought the the storytelling to them and they're like, "Mm, you know, let's let's be as as. As funny and cool as DX, and as as ruthless as the NWO, and here we are—we got the Bullet Club, or as Jay White likes to call it, the Bang Bang Gang.
1: (laughs) You got to be careful with that one. Uh, One (laughs) slip of the tongue, and it's a
0: completely different. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know,
2: PG, PG.
0: Yeah, we're trying to keep it clean.
1: I'm I'm being, I'm being, I'm I'm alluding without you know going directly to. It's what what do you call that? uh, Tongue in cheek.
0: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. must say though, there there were some good things that came from the event. I mean, of course, you had the Omega and Osprey match. We finally saw a heel turn with Jack Perry, which he's needed that it, for it happened, a while. It,
1: I like a good heel turn, man. You know, I like a I like a I like a blo- I like a bloody victim at the end of a heel of, of a of a of a heel turn like that. I mean, he 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 knocked Hook out, and Hook is sitting there and you know he kind of takes in the the audience's reaction so you know good for him to to interact right but that's not what you need. you he didn't need to interact with the fans at that moment what, what he needed to do was throw hook over over the edge and through the table hit him in the head until his head was bleeding you know taz comes to try to save his son and he you know kicks the old man while he's down that's that's what needed to happen. One yeah. hit, and then he just looks at the world. It's like, I'm a bad guy now.
0: <laughs> which, which we may see that in weeks to come, like maybe on Dynamite or Collision, depending on what they have going on. But yeah, I it, there could have been more to that. I mean, like you said, there could have been like a little bloody after, after, aftermath of it, like when Triple H turned on Ric Flair, ba- bashed his head with a sledgehammer and everything, like early 2000s, I believe. I mean, yeah. perfect, yeah, perfect heel turn.
2: I mean, you know, and is Jack Perry gonna be a believable heel? You know, and but to, to kind of kind of your point, um, Cody, you said, you know, maybe they'll build it up in, you know, dynamite and all of that. I would say probably you're gonna get more of that storyline on television right uh, more so than you're going to get the pay-per-view because i think then... jack
1: perry can be a very believable heel if if they do it right and say if they lean into the natural and the organic the you know the worst things that a lot of times storytellers especially in professional wrestling will do is try to subvert expectation and so then they come up with something unnecessary to purposely not do what's obviously there right but every fruit picker in the world will say you pick the one on the ground before you worry about climbing the tree. What's organically there is that Jack Perry didn't have to work through the Indies. Jack Perry didn't have to get, you know, destroyed by crappy wrestling teachers who just wanted to take his money and then beat him up for it. Jack Perry wrestled in a ring in his own house with special trainers who taught him how to eat and taught him how to exercise and taught him how to wrestle. Like I don't think there's someone with a more natural story that would piss off the blue collar, let's face it, the primary de- demographic of professional wrestling is your working class, you know, man. And to have someone who has something handed to them,
2: it's it's the easiest it's the easiest one. Right. Yeah. It's no matter I mean, of how it, they
0: go about it from here. Exactly.
2: You know, and and I agree, um, and, and I I wish him luck on, on that heel turn um, because I, I I would be intrigued to watch, you know, a uh, jungle boy gone gone wrong, you know, type situation. Um, they gotta change as, his music. Yeah. They gotta do that, and they and I hope they book him right.
0: Oh yeah, they'll definitely change his music. Hopefully it'll be on dynamite or collision, but you never know. We'll see. And then the other note I just put in here just for kicks and giggles was uh the whole Suzuki, uh, Guevara Jericho against Sting, Darby Allen, and uh NATO. If there's anyone in New Japan that I would not want to be standing face to face with in a ring for more than two seconds, it's Minoru Suzuki. Yeah.
1: He definitely looks like he knows where the bodies are hidden.
0: Oh, my gosh. He does. I Um, do not want to ever cross paths with Suzuki.
2: No. He he is a very intimidatingly scary-looking individual.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Ishii is a close second.
2: Yeah. I mean, and he's... Well, like, Ishii
1: looks like he's, you know, formed from stone exactly he just looks like one solid Brooklyn. he has no neck he looks like the (laughs) thing from the fantastic four but suzuki dude suzuki looks like every job like body wise looks like every jobber you saw in the 90s like but the look in his eye the way that he carries himself you're like that's the guy that kills people for other people
0: exactly yeah. Uh, had, he he, 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 takes, just, he, he commands the a presentation. Yeah, I do not want to get in the ring with him whatsoever at any point in time.
1: Nope. No. And uh I I think we we didn't do DraftKings, but DraftKings bet I mean they probably did, maybe they did.
0: Yeah, they had they one had for had uh, like Danielson an for Chops. Oh yeah. I and I tried to go on there last night and try and get in the pool, but for some reason it didn't show up anywhere. So, I don't know if they were just having an issue with it or whatever it was, but yeah, I tried to get in on it, but I knew that there was going to be a chop fest all throughout every single match. I mean,
1: there had to, there, I mean, there had to have been like at least 200 or more. I mean, I'm going to say there was at least a hundred in one match, uh, yeah. and then sprinkle the rest out over the rest. But yeah, that was, um, yeah, there, there was a lot of red, red breasts, uh, and we're not talking about bird watching, uh, at the end that backstage. <laughs> most definitely.
0: <laughs> I, th- I think most of that just came from Kingston and Moxley. Oh my word. Yeah. But well, man,
1: that, that, that one actually has some storytelling and I really hope that they, they, you know, elaborate with that. And, but a callback to last week's episode, notice how Claudio and, um, and Kingston can work together like professionals. They don't like each other at all, but they can be in the ring and they can they can bump for each other. Yeah. Hey, take a note of that bullet club. Take a note of that elite.
0: Yeah. Take a note <laughs> of that CM Punk.
1: Oh. He got he's got no problem. Go. He's got no problem selling for anybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure.
1: It's not selling or selling
2: out for anybody.
0: Ooh.
1: Hey, selling out is just the way to say you're
0: on top. <laughs> I mean,
2: you're selling something, you got to make money somehow, right? Exactly. 20 bucks is 20 bucks, as I always say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Robert, thank you so much for being on the podcast here with us. Uh, Where can people find you on social media if they want to check out anything you got going on? Well,
2: I mean, I'm on Facebook uh, uh, under my actual name, Derek Draymond, does not exist in real life. Um, other than on my WWE 2K23, um, <laughs> I, I am you. I am on um, Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Mad M A D D G underscore Lone Wolf. Um, I'm also on the lovely TikTok occasionally as the same handle uh, M A D D G underscore lone wolf that's mad dog lone wolf um so i am there uh periodically i'll make some lewd rude and lascivious comment um every now and again so
0: and you can i
2: might pull a Derek drayman out somewhere
0: there you go and you can always find us on social media five star jobbers we're on instagram and facebook i want to thank robert for joining us on the podcast thank you guys for listening to this episode and as always keep it five star